I'm Rasa Kay, and I'm talking with Dr. Daniel Ice, attending cardiac interventionalist at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in the heart of New Jersey. Interventional cardiologist or cardiac interventionalist. Both terms are used to identify physicians like Dr. Ice, who manage diseases of the cardiovascular system, specializing in procedures that involve blood being delivered to the heart and other parts of the body. We'll be talking about how he uses catheter-delivered stents, balloons, and various technologies and techniques to unblock blockages and reestablish blood flow, especially in peripheral artery disease, a common condition that affects approximately 10 million adults in the United States. The main risk factors for PAD include high levels of LDL cholesterol and triglycerides, low blood levels of the good HDL cholesterol, cigarette smoking, diabetes, high blood pressure, and being overweight and or sedentary. And African Americans and the elderly have a higher risk overall. PAD symptoms usually show up in the legs, causing pain, fatigue, or other discomfort, but as many as half of people with PAD don't get symptoms. Deborah hosts annual PAD screening clinics this year on September 21st. So visit demanddeborah.org to register if you or a loved one have symptoms or some of those risk factors. So more about PAD, the screening clinic, and Dr. Ice's work. Um, Dr. Ice, I've been talking with doctors at Deborah now for years, and I do my best to keep up with what's going on in the world of cardiovascular health. And more and more, I'm seeing the term structural heart disease when interventional cardiology is discussed. Structural heart disease is a term that's becoming more popular as uh, we're coming out with more procedures that have been shown to uh, benefit the heart. For a lack of a better analogy, if you think about a house, walls and doors, uh, kind of the, the same concept with the heart, talking about the walls or the doors being the valves in the, in the heart. So structural heart disease mostly involves the, the valves of the heart and disorders of those valves, whether they be tight or whether they, they be leaky. But it can also include uh, small holes that might be present in the heart that somebody might be born with and trying to go in and repair those holes. So what illnesses or disease states then do you treat the most? I would say by far coronary artery disease is what we treat the most uh, just because of sheer prevalence of that. But as uh, we're becoming, becoming more familiar with and developing better procedures to go in with a less invasive approach to fix valvular disease, that's quickly becoming on the rise. So when we think of the heart as a house, valves would be? Valves would probably be the doors, the doors uh, connecting between. rooms. And, of course, the walls. And, and I'm just uh, trying to contrast that with potentially the electrical system of the heart or potentially the plumbing, which would be the coronary arteries. There really is no part of the cardiovascular system that you don't rummage around in somehow, but not generally with a scalpel. You were talking non-invasive or right. less invasive. So what's in your toolbox? Certainly little tiny tubes that we deliver our equipment through called catheters, certainly wires, balloons, stents, sometimes even uh, little devices that help shave off calcium or plaque from the arteries. Yeah, so you're the electrician, you're the plumber, you're the, right. the contractor. Right. And even uh, potentially plugs to go in and plug small holes uh, when they need to be plugged. You're the drywall guy. That's right. Um, and, and enough joking about houses uh, and hearts, but are catheter-based procedures always preferable to a surgical option? I wouldn't say always, uh, but certainly a lot of times they are less invasive and more attractive uh, both for possibly the, to the physician as well as the patient because they're less invasive, they're easier recovery, less recovery time. But I wouldn't say necessarily 
every disease is best treated with a catheter-based intervention. There is still certainly a role for surgery for certain places, uh, severe valve disease, potentially in a young, low-risk patient, and potentially even if we talk about carotid artery disease in the best way, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's been shown that the catheter-based treatment is better. It may be just as good. Now, catheter-based treatments come a ways, too. It used to be only through the groin that you'd enter, but now you've got more entry points. Correct. So now technology has allowed us to get into the vascular system, even in smaller arteries, such as uh, the arteries in your wrist. And potentially when we're treating peripheral arterial disease, we can even go in arteries uh, in the foot and ankle area to try to... Uh, to go in from a, a second option or a less invasive option uh, that may be associated with less bleeding complications. Is that a question of having to travel less distance? You know, the idea of going through the groin to get to the heart. Mm-hmm. seems like you're going off a long way. Is that then even less invasive if you're going in through the wrist uh, or, you know, through the foot to get to a blockage in, in right. the leg? Right. The distance is about the same, but overall it's, it's uh, going into a smaller artery whereby bleeding complications would be lower, uh, and oftentimes it's uh, easier recovery after a procedure uh, where they can get up and move around uh, immediately after the procedure rather than having to lay flat for several hours. What do you see uh, coming down the road in terms of research, clinical studies? Well, I certainly expect uh, a more uh, expanded use of catheter-based valve procedures to go in and replace valves over, the, uh, over a catheter. Just recently, uh, there was a trial coming out looking at low-risk surgical patients and whether they do better with a surgical valve or a catheter-based valve. Uh, and the catheter-based valve seemed to work better. And I think that's going, we're going to see that expand over to the mitral valve uh, territory as well. Uh, There's a lot of development looking at newer valves or type of repair procedures uh, focused directly on the mitral valve and how to uh, improve it. Vascular conditions. How is your specialty involved in peripheral artery disease, PAD? Sure. Well, certainly we feel that we are cardiovascular disease experts, and not just cardiac, but also the vascular component of that word. And so um, we deal with the other vessels in the body, not just uh, the heart organ itself, particularly in interventional cardiology. We have an active role in terms of treating patients with peripheral arterial disease who may have blockages in the arteries going to, in their extremities, in their legs, going to other organs, the kidneys, the, uh, the brain, such as the carotid arteries. And there are ways to treat those both with medications as well as interventions. How do you find those blockages? Well, we can often find them uh, by means of uh, simple non-invasive testing or screening tests that we can do to identify a a reduction in blood flow down to, per se, uh, the legs, for example, blood flow down to the feet. And we can show that the blood flow has been reduced, and then we can uh, use more modern and advanced sophisticated testing, such as uh, CT or uh, MRI, to identify blood flow and blockages that way, too. So imaging. Uh, I should say. So prevention, how do we avoid needing your services? Well, the best prevention is, um, particularly for peripheral arterial disease, is, is trying to stay away from uh, smoking, from tobacco use, or if, if you are already smoking, quitting uh, is the best way to prevent further uh, risk for PAD, as well as treating some of the other risk factors, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. Um, diet and exercise is always uh, up at the top of the list, too, in terms of prevention. The thing about PAD is that people can confuse something else for it because it tends to show up in one leg or the legs or, you know, oh, I strained something. Sure. Or how do you know it's time to get that looked at? 
Well, if you notice particularly uh, muscle fatigue, muscle cramping, maybe some weakness in the legs that you haven't always noticed, you're not able to walk as far as you used to, or maybe you can't walk very far at all, uh, those are symptoms that would be concerned about. Okay, and, and some people that come in say, oh, I just thought maybe I was getting older and I'm not able to do the things I was able to do, but it's not always the case. Maybe those are the signs, the kind of the red flags that says, hey, maybe there's a blockage that has popped up that's reducing blood flow to your muscle, and that's why it's starting to get fatigued and starting to cramp when you try to walk distances. So this directly from the Deborah website, vascular health and maintenance are the foundation of prevention. How do we keep our veins healthy? Well, it goes back to maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Again, with uh, routine exercise, with maintaining a good balanced diet, and then uh, also making sure that you stay on top of any other type of chronic diseases that, that you may have in terms of high blood pressure, diabetes, trying to treat those as best as possible. All right, so Deborah is hosting a screening event September 21st for peripheral artery disease. So give us the details about that. Sure. So it's a screening event. We uh, invite anyone in the community to come out that day, to sign up first and come out that day. Every individual coming in through the screening test will have an um, ultrasound done of their aorta and their abdomen, so looking for any type of aneurysm there. And also having the uh, initial screening test for PAD called an ankle brachial index test to try to screen for and identify the presence of PAD. This would be particularly high-yield patients, those patients that are having any evidence of leg fatigue, leg tiring, cramping, just in general the leg not feeling as well as it used to. It's a great way to potentially just take a look, make sure there's nothing going on. If there is, there's uh, additional tests that can eventually be done that we can recommend that you either have done here or somewhere else uh, where you receive care. Screenings like this one, do they ever turn up surprises, uh, something else entirely that somebody came in thinking might be PAD? Certainly. Obviously, with the screening test, we do identify patients who have the disease, and that's really why we're doing the screening test to begin with. But oftentimes, in terms of just talking to the patients about certain symptoms, we, can, we often will end up identifying other problems not related to PAD, so whether it be venous disease or, uh, in some cases, even uh, very serious coronary artery disease. Uh, we may identify very concerning symptoms for that, which otherwise may not have been identified, uh, just simply by talking to an individual for 30 seconds, 60 seconds as part of the screening process. All right, so if you've been getting winded or your legs have been aching in a strange way um, and you're thinking, gosh, you know, maybe it's time to get this, you got nothing to lose. Register for this, come on down to Deborah. It's non-invasive. Correct. You're going to talk to people who have, who have seen it all. They know exactly what they're looking at and what they're not looking at. Sure. Absolutely. It's a great way, free way to come down, uh, take you know, maybe 30 minutes to 60 minutes of your, of your Saturday to come out, get your legs looked at, and either say, hey, your legs look good, or hey, something's concerning here, and maybe we need to do some more testing. How do you get in touch with you good people here? Uh, it's simple. You can just get on the Internet and go to our website, www.demandabora.org, and uh, there's plenty of information there. You can find out more uh, that we have available and even read about common cardiovascular diseases uh, that we can treat here. I'm Rasa Kay, and I've been talking to Dr. Daniel Ice. He is an attending cardiac interventionalist at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in the heart of central New Jersey.